Hey everyone, welcome to Zappagram, the mother of all music podcasts, where every week we cover the latest in music news, reviews, interviews, releases, discovery, history, and more. I'm your host, Chris Zappa, and as always, the world of music is a busy place, so without further ado, ground control to listener, take your protein pills, put your helmet on, this podcast ain't gonna listen to itself... Everybody, welcome back to episode number 61 of Zappagram, the mother of all music podcasts and newsletters. You can subscribe to the newsletter at zappagram.com if you are not already subscribed. And of course, you can follow the podcast wherever it is you get your podcasts. How is everybody doing? How has your week been? I'm uh, not going to lie. My week has been rough. It's been rough. I am the dad of a wonderful, beautiful son. He is about to turn three years old this coming week, but uh, that's not easy. It's not easy being the dad of a three-year-old. It's not easy being a three-year-old either, for that matter. He's a wonderful little guy. I love him with all my heart and soul. He is my whole world, but uh, good Lord, am I tired. I got a lot of stuff going on here at Zappagram. As I mentioned last week in the show, I have an upcoming interview that I just did with uh, Butch Bastard. Ian Murray, who makes music as Butch Bastard, has a brand new album out, Las Vegas Salvation. Came out at the end of April. It's my favorite album of the year. And he and I sat down to talk and had a really cool conversation. And I can't wait to uh, bring that to you guys this coming week. So look out for that. Running this podcast and this newsletter is a full-time job and uh, demands overtime, but it's a labor of love. Listening to music all the time, tracking the music news, setting up interviews, doing research, doing prep work, yada, yada, yada. It's so much fun, and I love it so much. And I hope that you guys are continuing to enjoy Zappagram. If you do, if you are able to, would you please consider backing Zappagram with a paid subscription? You can do so at zappagram.com. You can also go to chriszappa.com and uh, make a, a donation there to help keep things running. Your continued support really does mean the world to me, and it's because of that that I'm able to keep going and growing. So thank you to everyone for listening, for subscribing, for reading, for commenting, for liking, for sharing, for your emails, and uh, just for coming back week after week. You guys are so cool. As always, I work hard to churn out a product that is worthy of your time and attention, and this week's show... I feel like it's a really good one. There's so much music to talk about, so much happening in the world of music, so much going on in tour news, whole lot of tour news this week. And because we've got a lot to cover, I think we should probably just dive right in, don't you? Me too. I start things off every week with a quote from a famous artist. This week's quote comes from Joni Mitchell, who is in our news this week. She was quoted as saying, My heart is broken in the face of the stupidity of my species. That quote came from a New York Times article where she was being interviewed uh, about her 2007 album Shine. That was her 19th and final studio album. And she was speaking about the song If I Had a Heart. Uh, the Times uh, asked her about that particular song She uh, of the impetus that inspired her to write the song. Mitchell explained, My heart is broken in the face of the stupidity of my species. I can't cry about it. In a way, I'm inoculated. I've suffered this pain for so long. The West has packed the whole world on a runaway train. We are on the road to extincting ourselves as a species, uh, which is basically what the song is about. It's a fantastic song. It's a fantastic album, as is every album by Joni Mitchell. 
but it's worth a listen if you have not yet listened. We'll talk a little bit more about Joni later in the show. But first, we have to talk about the Rock the Vote poll. Every week, I do a poll. I ask a question. I want your feedback. This week, I'm asking what your favorite part of the Zappagram podcast and newsletter is. Is it the weekly playlist that I put together every week with every episode and issue of the newsletter? Is it the music news section in which I cover everything that's been going on that week and everything that's coming up in the uh, near future? Is it the Z-Rex section, Zappa's recommendations, where I highlight different things that I think are of interest or are really cool that I want you to check out? Is it the new release and release radar section in which I talk about the new music that's come out that week and the music that's coming out in the coming weeks? Or is it the on this date section, the music history section, the musical happenings of historical significance section in which I take the next seven days and I tell you what has happened on those seven days in the past, in music history. Which one of those sections is your favorite? Which do you enjoy the most? I would love to know. So hit the poll in the newsletter and let me know which one you like the best. Hey, speaking of the weekly playlist, this week we're on number 61, playlist number 61. Every week I put out a playlist with new music from that week, uh, new music either that's just been released that week, new music that I've discovered that week, or older music uh, that's already been out that I just want to uh, to bring to the forefront to, to your attention. These playlists are available on both Spotify and Apple Music, and as well, I have a master playlist that has all of the music from all of the weeks available on both platforms as well. On this week's playlist, I'm featuring music from Shade, Madeline Kenny, Allison Russell, Sharon Van Etten, Jess Williamson, Sumbuck, Bird and Byron, Mary Hennessy, Christine and the Queens, PJ Harvey, My Morning Jacket, Slow Joy, Flake, Atticus Chimps, and Young Other. 18 tracks in all. And then on the master playlist, there's uh, almost 48 hours worth of music on there. So be sure to check both of those out. No matter if you listen on Spotify or Apple Music, you can find the Zappagram Weekly playlists there. And hey, now that we've gotten all that out of the way, it's time to jump into this week's music news. <laughs> kick things off this week with a little bit of conflicting Pearl Jam news. Pearl Jam's new album is close to the finish line, says Stone Gossard. This is in this one piece reported in Consequence of Sound. Gossard said producer Andrew Watt has been energizing the band, and Gossard said uh, it's getting closer and closer, it's going to be a good one. Now, that's what he says in this piece in Consequence. There was another piece reported in Alternative Nation, in which Jeff Ament says that it's actually far from being completed. He says that it's only about 50% completed. Ament says they've been working on the album at Andrew Watts Los Angeles Studios in recent weeks, but the creative process is far from over. And then Ament goes on to say that once the album is complete, fans will have to exercise patience for another six to seven months before its release. So who's telling the truth here? Who's more accurate? I don't, I don't mean to imply that either one of them are lying. I just think that maybe, uh, you know, there's there's some uh, conflicting views in terms of uh, how close they are to the finish line and how close we are to another release. And all we can do is keep watching the news and see what else comes out about it. Pearl Jam has tour dates uh, starting August 31st in St. Paul, Minnesota and wrapping up September 19th in Austin, Texas. A variety of stops in between there in uh, cities probably near you. So check the link in the newsletter to see if uh, you can score tickets to any of their shows. 
In Taylor Swift news, the headline reads, Indiana man arrested for stalking Taylor Swift and intimidating her Eras Tour dancers. Taylor Swift, of course, no stranger to crazy stalkers. Uh, she's had a number of run-ins with uh, weirdos over the course of her career. This most recent one, an Indiana man, was arrested and charged earlier this month with stalking and harassing her during a series of incidents that occurred between March and May 2023, including traveling to the singer's Nashville home. The 36-year-old crazy man was arrested on June the 2nd on charges of stalking, invasion of privacy, intimidation, and harassment after making numerous attempts to contact Swift at home and through social media. This apparently started with the guy sending her a voice message through Instagram saying that he would, quote, happily wear a bomb if he cannot be with his soulmate. On May the 5th, prior to Swift's Eras Tour weekend shows in Nashville, this guy traveled from Long Beach, Indiana to Swift's Nashville penthouse, sneaking into the apartment building through an unsecured door where he was confronted by Swift's security team, uh, with this guy starting to uh, telling them that he was, quote, a great-looking, well-dressed, popular TV host. Right, buddy. The guy got away before the police could arrive. However, his actions put him on a security threat list to prevent him from purchasing tickets to her Nashville concerts, though he managed to sidestep that by buying tickets through a third-party platform. Security inside the Nissan Stadium recognized him and removed him from the venue when he showed up to the concert. I've thought a lot about that, about how tight security must be at her shows, both inside and outside the venue. But you got, you know, unhinged crazies running around all over the place. Uh, it's just a good thing they were able to find this guy before uh, anything bad happened. Whew, look out for the crazies out there, kids. They're everywhere. In other disturbing news of a completely different variety... Mike Ness, the frontman of veteran American punk band Social Distortion, has revealed that he has been diagnosed with tonsil cancer. Ness took to social media last week to break the news, writing on Instagram that he was diagnosed with stage 1 tonsil cancer while the band were in the pre-production stages of recording a new album. He added that he continued to record with the band until the very day before surgery and that he was feeling well enough. The recovery from surgery is a day-by-day -day process, and in three weeks we start radiation, and that should be the last therapy I need. He states that he and his doctors expect a full recovery, enabling him to live a long and productive life, and we certainly hope that everything goes well for him and that he is on well on the road to recovery very, 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 very soon. The band did have a North American summer tour planned, which they are postponing in order to give him time to heal. Hopefully they will be uh, rescheduling those dates for either later this year or next year as soon as he's all healed up. Classic rock fans, uh, fans specifically of the band Heart, can rejoice. Nancy and Ann Wilson are writing new music together again. After a few tumultuous years that saw them have a falling out, uh, and then later reconciling, seven years after they released their last album, Nancy has finally revealed that the wheels are turning on new music. In a conversation she had uh, on a New York radio station recently uh, in an interview, she talked about some of her other musical projects, including one called Tomboy, which sees her covering songs originally written by men. According to Nancy, the two are making music, new music again together. They are happy to be reunited. There is a possibility for a uh, heart tour in celebration of the 50th anniversary of uh, the band starting. 
But uh, right now, they are each, Nancy and Anne, are each on their own individual tours. But those tours wrap up by mid-July, so the possibility of the two touring again as Heart is uh, is a very real one. So uh, listen for uh, any updates on this. I'll let you know what happens next with Heart. There's news about one of my favorite bands of all time, Tool. Tool has added North American tour dates to its handful of previously announced festival appearances, beginning on October 3rd in Loveland, Colorado. There are a lot of West Coast dates. Uh, Then they hit a few stops in the Midwest and go on to New England before they head to Canada for a couple of shows. Of course, every show is different. Every venue, every city, uh, ticket prices are going to be different. I've heard uh, some complaints that some of the shows have tickets starting around the $600 range. However, I have not seen this myself. Uh, For example, I searched for their show in Milwaukee on November the 1st, and it looks like pretty decent seats are available for around $100, which for a dedicated Tool fan is a bargain. They are one of my favorite bands. I have only been able to see them live one time That was during their 10,000 Days tour back around 2009 or so, 2008, 2009. Not only one of the best concerts I've ever seen, absolutely the loudest concert I've ever seen. I was probably 25, 30 rows back from the stage and just remember still the, uh, my heart and like lungs and everything, my rib cage vibrating. It was, it was gloriously loud. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Speaking of my favorite bands, and speaking of tours, Queens of the Stone Age have announced a 2023 tour of North America following their uh, European festival dates that they already had scheduled. The band will play North American shows in the summer and fall. Queens, of course, going on tour in support of their new album, In Times New Roman, which comes out June 16th, this coming Friday. Super excited about that. Supporting acts on the tour will include Fantagram, The Armed, Viagra Boys, and Jenny Beth. Queens of the Stone Age are calling their trek The End is Nero Tour. A press release promises The End is Nero Tour is an invitation from the band to come celebrate the end of the world, which we hear is in a month or two. They would like to encourage the obscene and the clean, the outcasts and the weirdos, and anyone and everyone in between to attend. This is where you belong. Leave your judgment at the door. Bring anything and everything else. Tour dates start August the 3rd in Sterling Heights, Michigan, and wrap up October the 6th in San Francisco, California. They're making, oh gosh, 25 stops or so in between those two, so be sure to check the link in the newsletter to see if Queens of the Stone Age are coming anywhere near you. There's a ton of tour news this week. In more tour news about another band, one of my favorite bands, Wilco, are heading out on the road this fall on Tuesday. The band, fronted by Jeff Tweedy, of course, announced the dates for their fall tour titled Tour to Infinity in support of last year's LP Cruel Country. After a run of dates in Europe in August, the group will kick off their U.S. tour in Wichita before making their way to cities including Albuquerque, Scottsdale, and Seattle. Three nights at Los Angeles' The Theater at Hayes Hotel. And, uh, yeah... Once again, check the link in the newsletter to see if Wilco's coming anywhere near you. Tickets are on sale right now. This isn't tour news, but this is about one specific concert. Run DMC is headlining the 50th anniversary of the hip-hop concert at Yankee Stadium this summer. Of course, the concert to celebrate the 50th anniversary of hip-hop in the borough where the genre was founded, the Bronx. Hip-Hop 50 Live at Yankee Stadium takes place on Friday, August the 11th, and will feature performances from Run DMC, 
Snoop Dogg, Lil Wayne, Ice Cube, Eve, Lil Kim, Trina, Fat Joe, Ghostface Killa, Slick Rick, Lupe Fiasco, and many, many more. They haven't said anything about this yet, but man, it would really be cool if they added uh, Public Enemy to the lineup. Anyway, if you are a hip-hop fan and you are in the New York City area, be sure to check out uh, tickets for that show. Once again, that happens August the 11th. Tenacious D have added some U.S. dates to their Spicy Meatball Tour. Of course, they're on a tour called the Spicy Meatball Tour. After wrapping up a handful of shows in Europe, Jack Black and Kyle Gass will begin their North American dates on September 6th in Charlotte, North Carolina. Only a handful of dates. They're uh, playing uh, some cities in Tennessee, Indiana, Arkansas, and Texas, wrapping things up there in Austin on September 15th. Tenacious D has recently released a couple of new singles, one titled Video Games, as well as a cover of Chris Isaac's Wicked Game uh, and they've released video for that, too, in which you can see both Jack Black and Kyle Gass uh, frolicking nearly naked on the beach, just like the original Chris Isaac video, which was way sexy. Um, Tenacious D's video is um, considerably less so. Let's just let's just say that. Here's someone that you just don't hear about going on tour Brian Eno has shared expansive and immersive bodies of solo work that he's never taken on the road. He's landed on the occasional festival lineup, occasionally toured with other artists, and he's even played a few one-off shows. But only now is he preparing to complete a full tour all on his own. Eno's latest endeavor, a concert series titled Ships, will bring him across Europe for five shows later this summer. There are no U.S. shows announced at this time, but uh, we can cross our fingers, and if any of those do pop up, I'll be sure to let you know about it. I think lastly, in tour news, Neil Young will embark on his first tour in four years this summer as part of a solo acoustic jaunt focused on rarely performed material. The dates are all West Coast, so if you're in California or uh, Oregon or Washington, you uh, love Neil Young, you can go see him. Shows kick off in Los Angeles July the 1st at uh, John Anson Ford Theater. He plays other shows in Santa Barbara, Paso Robles, San Diego, uh, another night in L.A. at the Greek. Then he plays in Berkeley, Bend, Oregon, Ridgefield, Washington, Auburn, Washington, and wrapping up July 23rd in Napa, California. Tickets for all of those shows go on sale Wednesday, June the 14th at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Sufjan Stevens has announced that he's partnered with Third Man Pressings, that's Jack Black's uh, pressing company, to release a new special edition vinyl honoring the 20th anniversary of his third studio album, Michigan. Featuring alternate versions of songs as well as never-before-heard cuts, the new edition will expand on the sonic world Stevens created while honoring his home state. Each of the colored vinyl variants will hit shelves this upcoming week. The album Michigan first dropped on July 1st, 2003, and became one of Stephen's most beloved records. Many people cite Carrie and Lowell as their favorite Sufjan record, but uh, I'd have to say mine is probably Michigan. Eh, maybe Illinois. Illinois is probably my favorite, then followed by Michigan, then followed by Carrie and Lowell. Anyway, check the uh, link in the newsletter to uh, find out about ordering one of these reissues, as well as to see photos of uh, each of these vinyl pressings. They're, uh, they're quite beautiful. This may already exist, but I had this idea to, uh, to, to do a coffee table book that's just full of photos of, of beautiful vinyl albums. 
because it's unbelievable what what they can do now in terms of of pressing vinyl that um it's i mean would you buy that i think it'd be pretty cool for uh for music lovers i think it'd be a cool thing Joni Mitchell recently returned to the stage with an epic all-star celebration at uh, the Gorge in Washington. Brandy Carlisle hosted uh, the Joni Jam, Mitchell's first ticketed concert in over 20 years, provided a deep dive into the legendary singer-songwriter's catalog. Joni, of course, performed all of her hits, a lot of uh, deep cuts from a lot of her albums over the years, and uh, was joined on stage by just an incredible cast Annie Lennox, Brandy Carlisle, of course, Sarah McLaughlin, Marcus Mumford, Wendy and Lisa of Prince's Revolution, uh, Lucius, Steve Balton, writing for Rolling Stone, attended the show. It said, uh, said of the show, it was something we all felt fortunate to be a part of. We all knew we were witnessing history, and Mitchell knew her being back on stage was history. This is one of those nights that goes well beyond music. Life hits much differently when you've faced real death, be it nearly dying yourself or losing loved ones. And for all of us, knowing we came so close to losing Mitchell and for her being able to bask in the adoration, this was much more than just a concert. It was a powerful celebration of Mitchell's life and resiliency, which is something we can all draw incredible inspiration from. Then again, Joni Mitchell has always been and always will be one of life's great teachers for millions of music fans. I don't believe there's any official word out yet on a live album being released or or the live video of this show being put out, but it's kind of hard to imagine that that isn't something that we can be looking forward to at some point in the not-too-distant future. That, of course, is speculation. And while we're speculating, while we're uh, while we're kicking around in the old rumor mill, the uh, latest uh, word on the street says that Harry Styles is rumored to perform at Super Bowl 2024, I am mainly a, uh, a rock, alternative, indie music fan, but I'm a fan of all genres, and uh, and I'm a real big fan of really good pop music, and Harry Styles makes really good pop music. His song, As It Was, off of his album, last year's album, uh, Harry's House, one of my favorite songs of the last 10 years. So I think it would be delightful to see Harry Styles perform at the Super Bowl. Really, really cool. If this uh, becomes more than just a rumor, I'll let you know. And speaking of all different types of music, lastly, this week in music news, I wanted to cover a story about Garth Brooks. The country music legend says his new bar will serve Bud Light despite the conservative boycott. Apparently, Garth is opening a bar in Nashville, in downtown Nashville, on South Broadway. Uh, it'll be called the Friends in Low Places Bar and Honky Tonk, of course. And, you know, here's the thing about Garth Brooks. He has uh, written some great songs, recorded some great songs over the years, uh, but it all comes down to he's just a good dude. Uh, yes, he's richer than God, but uh, but he's just a really good dude with a good heart. And here's what he said specifically about this whole thing with... You know, somebody mentioned, are you going to serve Bud Light in your bar? Here's what his response was. I want it to be a place you feel safe in. I want it to be a place where you feel like there are manners and people like one another. And yes, we're going to serve every brand of beer. Our thing is this. If you are let into this house, love one another. If you're an asshole, there are plenty of other places on Lower Broadway. Good for him. Good for Garth Brooks. Good for everyone who goes to his new bar, and um, fuck off to everybody who doesn't like it. Garth Brooks doesn't like bigots, and neither do I. 
I've said some things and covered some things in recent shows and recent weeks where I uh, I would piss some people off and I'd hear I'd get some some hate mail and they they'd unsubscribe and whatever and uh, you know I'm always like don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out or do who cares fuck off bye Felicia. <laughs> In this week's Z-Rex, Zappa's Recommendations, I have two things that I want to talk about. Uh, one, I have more music-related TikTok accounts I want you to follow. My friend Gabby provides great music recommendations for people who think the 90s were 10 years ago. Amanda works in the industry and also has great music recommendations. Rockabye Records is a brick-and-mortar record shop in uh, Rutland, UK, run by a great father and son team who serve up great album recommendations. My friend Kudani really knows her music. She makes fascinating videos covering both new and classic albums, and I consistently discover something new from her. It seems like every week I'm finding some new music that she's talking about that's it's new to me, and, and I love it. And lastly, Dean Baldwin runs SiriusXM's Classic Rewind show, and he also has a great TikTok channel in which he covers in great detail lots of classic rock favorites. All of these creators do amazing jobs at what they do, so I highly encourage you, if you are on TikTok, go check them out. There are links for all of their accounts in the newsletter, and if you are not on TikTok, consider signing up for a TikTok account. Uh, if you're a music lover and you look up some of these channels that I'm recommending, start to follow them. TikTok will serve you a lot of other great music-related content. It's a great way to discover new artists, see clips of artists that you already know and love, um, find great concert clips, etc., etc. And lastly, I wanted to talk for just a minute about the band Shade, S-H-A-E-D. Uh, I love everything that they do, and I have taken several uh, YouTube videos of uh, performances of theirs and linked them up in this week's newsletter. They have a beautifully inspiring song, Colorful, written out of love and in support of anyone who struggles to love and accept themselves for who they are. Uh, they have an acoustic version of, of several other songs that, uh, that I've put in here. Of course, they're best known for their 2019 breakout hit, Trampoline. Uh, but no matter what they do, it's smooth and soulful. Uh, Chelsea Spencer and Max are incredible musicians and very, very nice people. And I might have an opportunity to interview them later this year. So I couldn't possibly be more excited for that. Be sure to keep an eye out or an ear out or whatever for that. And uh, be sure to check out these links for their performances in the newsletter, as well as those songs of theirs that I've included in this week's playlist. Very quickly, I want to cover this week's new releases. We saw new albums come out from the Boo Radleys, Christine and the Queens. Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit released their new album, Weather Veins. Jenny Lewis's new album, Joy All, came out. Love and Rockets are back with a new album. My Morning Jacket released uh, MMJ Live Volume 3, Bonnaroo 2004. So it's a live performance from their uh, Bonnaroo show in 2004. And, ooh, man, it takes me back. I wasn't at the show. Um, I've actually never been to Bonnaroo, but takes me back to that time period in uh, both in their catalog and in my life. It's an amazing show. Uh, no wonder they wanted to put this out as a live album. So there's music from this album on this week's weekly playlist. Uh, and then lastly, Youth Lagoon have a new album out called Heaven is a Junkyard. 
a lot of great music coming up on the release radar. These are all upcoming releases that will be out in the next 30 to 45 days. We're going to see new albums from Spoon, Balmoria, Drive-By Truckers, The Flaming Lips, Hand Habits, John Mellencamp, Motorhead, Queens of the Stone Age, Sunvolt, The Teskey Brothers, Albert Hammond Jr., Amanda Shires and Bobby Nelson, Candlebox, Lloyd Cole, M. Ward, Portugal the Man, Sleepy Gonzalez, Y. Oak, Charlie Watts, Frank Zappa, Grateful Dead, The Jens, Lucinda Williams, Anoni and the Johnsons, Local Natives, PJ Harvey, and Taylor Swift. A lot of new music. I'll be listening to all of it and letting you know what is worth your time and what is not. We come to our final segment on this date, Musical Happenings of Historical Significance. On this date, June 12th, we celebrate a lot of birthdays. Chick Corea, a great jazz musician, was born in Chelsea, Massachusetts. Brad Carlson, a.k.a. Bun E. Carlos, drummer of Cheap Trick, that's easy to say, was born in Rockford, Illinois in 1950. Brad Delp, a guitar singer of Boston, was born in Massachusetts, but not in Boston, interestingly enough. Pete Farndon, bassist of The Pretenders, was born in England in 1952. Singer-songwriter guitarist Junior Brown was born in Cottonwood, Arizona in 1952. Multi-instrumentalist John Linnell of They Might Be Giants was born in New York City. And June the 12th of 2019, Radiohead avoided a blackmail attempt by releasing 18 hours of music recorded during the making of their classic album, OK Computer. Tapes from the session had been stolen by hackers who demanded $150,000 for their return. Instead, the band released the tapes in full, with profits going to climate crisis activists, Extinction Rebellion. Ha! Fuck you. Take that, hackers. June 13th, uh, birthdays include singer-songwriter David Gray, was born in Cheshire, England. Rivers Cuomo of Weezer, born in New York City. Alanis Morissette released her studio album Jagged Little Pill on June 13th of 1995. Finally, on that date in 2000, a roadie who worked for both Oasis and Elton John was arrested and charged with smuggling millions of pounds of ecstasy into the United Kingdom. Woo! Don't do drugs, kids. June 14th, we celebrate birthdays for guitarist Steve Hunter, who worked with Lou Reed, Aerosmith, and Alice Cooper. Uh, and most notably, he played the acoustic guitar intro on Peter Gabriel's hit, Salisbury Hill. Uh, he was born in Decatur, Illinois. George O'Dowd was born in London. You may know him better as Boy George. Singer-songwriter Joshua Radin was born in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, on June 14, 1986, three fans died during an Ozzy Osbourne gig after falling from a balcony at the uh, Long Beach Arena. June 15th, birthdays include Waylon Jennings, who was born in Littlefield, Texas. Harry Nilsson was born in New York City. Steve Walsh of Kansas was not born in Kansas. He was born in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, O'Shea Jackson was born in Los Angeles. You may know him as Ice Cube. Gary Lightbody of Snow Patrol, born in Northern Ireland. And Motown Records released Let's Get It On by Marvin Gaye on June 15th of 1973. That same day in 1989, Nirvana's debut album Bleach was released in the U.S. And on that same date in 1996, the great Ella Fitzgerald died in Beverly Hills, California, aged 79. June 16th birthdays include singer-songwriter producer Lamont Dozier was born in Detroit. Singer-songwriter actor Edward Levert of the OJs was born in Bessemer, Alabama. Tupac Shakur was born in New York City. On that same day, June 16th, 1965, Bob Dylan recorded Like a Rolling Stone at Columbia Recording Studios in New York City. 
That same day in 1967, Summer of Love, the three-day Monterey Pop Festival in California began featuring legendary performances by Jimi Hendrix, Grateful Dead, Janis Joplin, The Who, Jefferson Airplane, Mamas and the Papas, on and on and on. That same day in 1972, David Bowie released his fifth studio album, The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. Finally, on June 16th of 1994, Kristen Pfaff, bassist of Hole, was found dead in her bathtub due to a heroin overdose at the age of 26. Don't do drugs, kids. I know I'm always harping on you about that, but but I'm I'm serious. Don't don't fucking do drugs. June 17th, birthdays include Mike Buck, drummer of the Fabulous Thunderbirds, born in Austin, Texas. Philip Chevron of the Pogues was born in Dublin, Ireland. Jello Biafra of Dead Kennedys was born in Boulder, Colorado. And Kendrick Lamar was born in Compton, California in 1987, June 17th. That same day, in 1971, Carol King went to number one on the U.S. album chart with her album Tapestry, for the first of 15 consecutive weeks, that album went on to be like certified platinum 14 times over. I believe that's a lot of album sales. That same day, June 17th of 1973, Dolly Parton recorded I Will Always Love You in RCA Studio B in Nashville. And on that same day last year, June 17th of 2022, Kate Bush went to number one on the charts again with Running Up That Hill. Originally released in 1985, the song enjoyed renewed interest after featuring in the Netflix show Stranger Things. Lastly, June 18th, that will be next Sunday, we're going to celebrate a very major birthday. Sir Paul McCartney was born in Liverpool on that date in 1942. Dizzy Reed, keyboardist with uh, Guns N' Roses, was born in Hinsdale, Illinois, 1963. Simon Robottom, guitarist of the Boo Radleys, who released a new album this week. Uh, he was born in England in 1969. On June the 18th of 1948, Columbia Records started the first mass production of the 33 RPM LP. The new format could contain a maximum of 23 minutes of music per side versus the three minutes that could be squeezed onto a 78 RPM disc. Very interesting. Lastly, on June the 18th in 1977, Johnny Rotten of the Sex Pistols was stabbed and beaten during an attack in a car park outside a London pub. The next day, other members of the Pistols were also beaten by a gang armed with iron pipes. Well, they pissed somebody off. Uh, this is my least favorite part of the show. This is the end. The end of the road. The end of the show. Another one in the can. Another one for the books. Uh, we're done. This is it. That's it. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for listening. Week after week, I appreciate you being here. Zapogram is 100% reader slash listener supported. And I could really use your help. If you find what I do valuable, if you enjoy it, if you think it's entertaining, if you learn something new, if you find new music, if you can afford five bucks a month, consider a paid subscription at zappagram.com. I would really appreciate it. Go check out everything I talked about in the newsletter. There are links for all that in there, the shows, the new releases, yada, yada, yada. Until next week, I've been your host, Chris Zappa, and I am... Wait for it. Wait for it. Out of here.